0: Hello there, and welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. So today's guest is it's a lovely lady I actually met during lockdown. It's amazing how I think I know I've spoken about it on a podcast previously, but it is amazing how much your, your world can grow, even when you're in a situation where you can't get out and see people and, and that kind of thing. I met Cheryl through a business mastermind group she is a change coach and she's got quite a quite a spectacular story quite an inspiring story which I'm sure we'll get into she's an all-round fantastic person and one of those people that were put on this earth purely just to help everyone else and gee everyone else along um but yeah I am a hundred percent in awe of this lady so Let's kick off. Let's get to know her. And um, yeah, I know there's
1: going to be value in this episode for you. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing? I'm just listening to that this meeting is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of recording podcasts on Zoom. It's the first time I've actually heard that one and I've recorded a couple of podcasts. So that's a new adventure for me. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? So um, I always do
0: a little brief kind of intro before my guest joins, but give us your sort of your, your 30 second, your 45 second pitch. So people know who you are and what you're about.
1: I'm glad you said pitch as opposed to elevator pitch because not enough of us are spending time in elevators lately. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Cheryl, as you've probably heard. I am a change and accountability coach these days and my focus is supporting strong people who have been challenged by a change event to move back into confidence and the reason I do that and the background that qualifies me to do that quite apart from being a change manager and project manager in previous lives is that I have actually walked that path I have built businesses lost businesses I've suffered let's let's change that word I've experienced a lot of challenging life events that has gotten me to this point so that's what I do and I'm an Aussie currently in Glasgow how's that? I
0: was going to say we, we talk about change you kind of you move to Aussie you know, from Oz on your own well with the dog as well but um, yeah you, you and Flynn over from Oz and then you kind of got settled and now you've moved up to Glasgow as well. So just, just in themselves, they're, they're two quite, quite big changes. Um, but there's sort of, there's quite a, you know, a lot of people talk about having to go through change and having life experiences and it's kind of, it's over a matter of years, but you went through some really radical changes in your world that you had to accept and move on with within a, within a few weeks. And um, I think, Do you think it makes a difference whether the the change happens over a period of time or if it's more concentrated or do you think the process of of dealing with change is kind of the same either way?
1: There are elements of the change process that is the same at any point. However, every change process is different and it is my experience that some are much more stretching than others. So you quite, quite politely danced around the way that, there were 72 hours in 2019 that changed my life forever. And it is either of those events normally would be a major life event that would challenge a person and potentially stop them in their tracks. And when you have two of those, one layered over the top of the other and an ongoing journey involved in those, it becomes, it becomes one of those dark nights of the soul or the crisis of faith how do you get through? And I was just really blessed because a few months before that, i developed my seven Cs of conscious change. I had distilled how I'd gone through what I'd considered before that to be massive life events to come out the other side. Um, and so I won't say happily, but I was grateful to be equipped with a more distilled approach to go through those events before I talk about what happened in 2019, we'll go back really briefly to 2017, when um, my younger brother—I am one of five—and I have uh, there was young. I have one younger brother, and he went into hospital with swelling on his ankles, water on his ankles, and he came out with oxygen 24/7, and he suddenly had to see if he was eligible for a double lung transplant and I helped him through that process through the 12 months that it took to find out or 10 months actually that it took to find out if he was suitable for that in addition to being an executive working full-time I was also his carer and we would drive up um, four hours from Canberra to Sydney and for those who don't know Oz you can go and google it Um, but it, it can be four hours to get there there and back each time to to find out if he was suitable for the double lung transplant. And in 2018, in the February, we found out that he was. And in the April of 2018, he had a double lung transplant. And that meant that for 12 weeks, as soon as we got that phone call, for 12 weeks after that, my life stopped because I moved up to Sydney to support him as a full-time carer. I had to be with him for that 12 weeks to help um, to walk with him as he learnt how to live again and, and what to do. And, and go through that recovery process. During that recovery process, I had decided I had looked at myself. When you go to a, a hospital for four to five days a week, you, you look at yourself, you start to appreciate the amazing medical and allied health professionals who help people to live or have a better quality of life. And I had made a decision to get myself healthy as a result of that. That's a different journey, but I will preface it by saying there was that experience, and I thought that was a massive experience. And then I thought, um, considering my health was a massive experience, and I went on from September of 2018 to April of 2019 or March of 2019 to lose 35 I, kilos I, or over 70. Yeah, pounds no, I'd, I'd, I'd love you
0: to discuss them. I'd love to share your story. That, would be that is a massive
1: change event. And that was all good. And I thought, I'm changing my life, we're doing well, I, I know what I'm gonna do. I, I started coming over to the UK every month to study um, business, to take part in masterminds and to network and my life was on this path and I was really happy with it. I had a plan that by February, 2020, I wanted to move over to look at exploring opening an office over here. That was my goal at the beginning of 2019. And in September of 2019, that was well underway, 27th of September was a Friday, and I was diagnosed with two different kinds of breast cancer because, you know, I'm an overachiever. Let's not go for one. Let's have two um, just to make sure that you get it. Uh, But as a change coach, I took it fairly well. I took it so well. In fact, the nurse kind of said, could you coach people around this? Could you hold a group? Could you do a podcast? And I said, "I'm, I'm willing to think about that but let me just process this first. And so I went back home and I saw my younger brother, we bought a house together. I mean, I'm sure we all understand what property prices are like. And so instead of buying two little dog boxes, we bought one big nice house. Um, and so I went home to the house that my brother and I had bought and I, I told him that this had happened. I'd had this diagnosis and because of his previous experience, he kind of uh, understood the significance of it. And then I said, look, there's nothing I can do in the next week. I can't get in to see a specialist in the next week. So I am just gonna get on the plane tomorrow, which is a Saturday and, and go over to the UK for my planned eight day trip because I had multiple appointments and training sessions and networking all lined up. And he went, yeah, sure. Uh, so he drove me to the airport on the Saturday and I arrived on Sunday morning at Sparrows Twit as, as you do on flights from Australia drove down to um, where I was going to be training or or into the event that I was walking into, got on a stage, told 150 people my story and thought that's the bravest thing I'm going to do this week and I'm just going to go to bed. I went to bed on the Sunday night and at 1 o'clock on the Monday morning I got a text from Australia saying, "Um, is Pete coming into work today? Pete being my brother. And I said, well, I'm in the UK, I suspect he will, Uh, and he didn't so one of my friends who or a mutual friend who had a key went to the house and his car was there his keys his wallet his phone but he wasn't there and that was that was across Monday morning for me early in the morning Um, and across the whole of Monday for me in the UK my brother was missing and in the In the Australian time zone, it went into Monday night and then Tuesday morning. And there were search parties out for Peter behind the house because we lived backed onto bushland or forest. (laughs) And people were out searching for him and they couldn't find him. Uh, And in the Monday UK time, so we're back with my experience, he was missing and then in the afternoon at about 4.30 in the afternoon I, got a, I missed a phone call on my UK phone because I had my Aussie phone beside me because my brother was missing and my UK phone was in the bottom of my handbag. And uh, for, for those who are listening who are women, if you are one of those capacious handbag holders, owners, that's me, you know, half of the world in the kitchen sink in my handbag. So there was no way I was going to get that phone. So I missed a blocked call on my UK phone and slightly panicked. And reached out to a couple of friends and I then got a phone call 15 minutes later on the other phone from people who identified themselves as the Met Police saying we would like to talk to you about a serious matter and could you please could you please give us your address and so I did and that's when I really panicked and I reached out to two really good friends and one of them was much more logical than I was at that point because I fully admit that I wasn't logical at that point. And said, check the call, the number back, check the number. I couldn't call the number, called the Met police. 15 minutes later, they're saying it's a scam. The number looks like ours, it's about a scam. And I said, So there's nothing to worry about. And they said, No, no, there's nothing to worry about. And that's what I told my friends. Um, and they, one of them said, I don't care, I'm coming down anyway. Pete's still missing. And so she drove down three hours through storms. If you're in the UK, she drove from Burnley to around Peterborough, and I'll be forever grateful that she did. She arrived around around 10.30 at night. Uh, And as I said, I'm forever grateful she did because a quarter past five on the Tuesday morning, I got a phone call that um, my brother had died. And not only had he died, he had called at early on the Sunday morning in Australian time, to the ambulance saying that he had problems breathing. And By the time they got there, they were unable to resuscitate him and they took him and they took him and they left no note. Um, and so it, it, it devastated not just me but the people who were searching for him as well. But for my life, it meant that I was on the other side of the world, away from the brother that I'd cared for, um, and he had died suddenly without me being there to support him. So it was challenging. I am incredibly grateful for the friends who um, held me together when that happened. So my other friend, I left a message for him at like 20 past five in the morning and he is one of those mad, crazy, super busy people, a lot like you, Christina, in fact. Mad, crazy, super busy, always got something on, lives his life in like 15-minute blocks typically. I don't know what you mean Um, by that. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, you no, don't, do you? But, um, yeah, and, and someone who, who lives their life in that space, very successful, dynamic, huge heart, um, dropped everything, cancelled their week and drove down, was on, on the road within an hour and drove down, was there by 9 o'clock and they held me together. Um, and that's one of the reasons communication is so important, but they held me together. And got me through that time and then I got on a plane that was the Tuesday I was on the plane on a Thursday it was actually hard to get and moving into living my life where I flew back into burying my brother going on my own cancer journey having that cancer journey and going through the radiation after the surgery in the midst of the worst bushfires that Australia had seen in 100 years. In, in the inner city with the worst um, air quality in the world for over, a, for over a week because we were just surrounded by bushfires. So life can happen and there are different, there are different change events and each change event is different and we experience them differently. It is for me, one of the most important things to recognize that everybody, everybody gets challenged Everybody gets stretched. One of the reasons I'm incredibly passionate about supporting strong people who are challenged by change is that when it happens to the strong person, when it happens to the leader, the person who is the head of the business, the head of the family, the head of an organisation, the head of a team, often what people will say is, but you're strong, you'll be fine. And and the the instinctive reaction internally is like, Well, yeah, I will, but please allow me to be a human the same as you are and have a human experience of this. Just because I'm strong doesn't mean I have all of the answers. Just because I'm strong doesn't mean that I wouldn't appreciate some guidance, some support, someone to help walk me through that journey or to show me how to do this. And that's one of the reasons my focus these days is to support strong people as opposed to... International and national project rollouts and change management. So, when we think about your story, there, you know, like I said, there
0: are significant, significant events there, you know, that are, are going to, like, you know, immediately you can see how they're going to be challenging. You can, you can see that the drastic change that, that you, you would have, you know, you, you're still currently accepting. I, I imagine, you know, so. It's kind of like it, there's inciting events there. I think that when it comes to, you know, what you've just sort of explained about though you know, those leaders, the, you know, the entrepreneurs, if you like, that they're kind of functioning at this sort of high level anyway. That sometimes, do they do they always recognise the changes happening? Do they? Are they? Is the awareness there that they that they are being challenged, or is it just like? water off the duck's back
1: and they're pushing on and I would suggest that it's it's a combination. And one of the reasons that is is because when you are functioning at that level all the time, you typically have a baseline level of stress that you're dealing with. You know, stress is a part of your life and and you've you've accepted it, you're used to that. And often what you might try and do is sublimate that that significant change or or try and pigeonhole it. And that can be effective for only a certain period of time. It is changes. It's an emotional response within the first 90 seconds and then it becomes a different response. So you'll have have an initial reaction to to a change. If it was a shock or surprise change event, there'll be an initial reaction that's 90 seconds long. What happens after that is... Is your your perception and your experiences and your filters and what you're doing with it. So, from the, from the perspective of a leader, if it is if it's a change event such such that they can see it coming, something's going wrong in the business. The, there might be a sellout. They might be buying something. That's a more planned change event. That there may be stress around, and there may be higher levels of of challenge but it's something that they have foreseen or they can plan around I was going to say a forethought and that's such an old word but they there's a level of preparation that can happen. I guess there's a level of control as well in that situation there is there is and there's a level of control in 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 all of the situations but there's more control within that one. When it is an event that is unexpected, say it is you've had the diagnosis or there has, been, um, there has been an accident or there has been an external factor that has occurred, that's an unplanned change event that you have less control over the fact of the event changing or, or the, the change event occurring. the the control becomes around what you do about it afterwards. And they are the ones often where it will be the emotional response that increases your stress levels or the stress levels of that leader. And it's what they do about that. It's their level of awareness at that point. And it's their courage to be vulnerable, to say to someone, actually, This is more than I am normally used to dealing with. This is going to stretch me and I may need some support. What can I do about it? So
0: that's the bit I struggle with. Okay. Because I think that, so if I look at myself, I've had several experiences over the years that where I've kind of had to deal with quite stressful situations and I would suggest that I'm I'm I am one of those people that it's like I'm the leader of the family, you know I'm I'm the business owner now as well, so it's like whatever you throw at me, I'm just going to deal with and work through and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I think that I can't imagine anything that I couldn't handle. So it's kind of like in that moment, I don't think you I don't think you have the awareness. I don't. I can't contemplate having that awareness of, I can't handle this. This is too much for me.
1: Does that make sense? It definitely does. Um, For dynamic driven characters, it definitely does. But the challenge then becomes, you don't realize it until you're actually on the verge of collapse or have collapsed. When you have that breakdown event where you, lock yourself away or you want to lock yourself away for five days, seven days and just, just not want to see the world or where your level of engagement, like you you have this separation from your emotions and, and you become incredibly clinical. And there can also be, and it's on the change curve, it's a level of denial that people can go into. Like It's not going to beat me, I, I can do this, even if you don't know how you're going to do it one of the one of the challenges and it is an incredibly individual and personal experience to turn around and say actually you know I would do better if I had some support going through this and I would suggest that one of the most powerful reframes that you can do in that situation is to say, yes, I am responsible for this, this and this. And you know what? If I had just a little bit of external support or someone I could talk to as I experience this, I'm going to show up even better in order to lead my team forward. It's finding that, that person to have that confidential conversation with. It's finding that support system whose only agenda is you being a better version of yourself and helping you through that space. And that's the challenge that a lot of executives, a lot of business owners, a lot of leaders face. Now, I've been spending a lot of time in Clubhouse recently, as many of (laughs) us have, But one of the things that that I have found in there, not surprisingly, I spend a lot of time in the entrepreneurial groups and and such, and there are, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires on there. And one of the things that that myself as well as as they have found reassuring is in some of those groups, questions are asked such as, you know, flash your mic, which is what you can do in Clubhouse if you're on the speaking stage. Flash your mic if you... Continue to this day to have doubts about your abilities and what you can do, and all of these super successful people flashing their mics. Now, flash, flash your mic if you if you've had an experience of overwhelm or wondering just just how you can get through it. Yes, flashing the mics. Flashing the mic. Flash the mic if you have imposter syndrome. If you've wondered if someone's going to knock on your door and say, "Hey, you're a fake. Get out." Flashing of the mics. These are experiences that we all have, that we all have. There are different ways to get through. Sometimes sometimes people can get through on their own and sometimes it's better to have someone else say, hey, you know, have a chat or have you considered this? And that can occur as a coach or a mentor, in a mastermind group, if you've got a good one, it's about let me let me phrase this in a in a better way. It is about sharing the journey and realizing that other people have walked that path before you and that there are ways that you can do it that you may not have thought of that someone else can share.
0: You know that brings us quite nicely to the, the the accountability stuff that you do as well, because I think that people think of coaching, and perhaps what they what they think of is something that's a bit more therapy related, rather than. What I know you do from an accountability perspective, and, and that very much ties into to what you're talking about, because it, it's it's having that someone with the way that you can just go, blah, this is what's going on, this is what I'm doing about it. Goodbye, see you next week, kind of thing. And you know, so so yeah, talk talk to me about the the kind of accountability and how we won't call it accountability coach, accountability buddy, let's say, or, or you know, your accountability
1: person. Yeah. Uh- that's one of the things that's, it's actually occurred organically in, in my business just, and it's evolved from, from working um, with, with colleagues in masterminds and people who have just literally heard me have accountability sessions. And that is, that's working with high level C-suite, G-suite people to say, hey, what's happening? What have you got going on? What's your goal? What's your short and medium-term goals? What are we focusing on and what's happening? And then what are you doing about it? And one of the reasons that, that I do that, and I also call them confidential conversations, one of the reasons that we have those is because at that level there are so few people who will hold you accountable but who are not peers applying a level of peer pressure and that measuring, I've done this, you've done that, why didn't you do that? It's, it's not a conversation that you would have in a club. It's a conversation that you have with someone whose only agenda is to help you get a little further ahead and become a better version of you. And that means for different people, there, I, have, I have accountability buddies, great word. I have accountability buddies that I catch up with three times a week, and there are accountability buddies that I catch up with once a week. I could catch up with someone once a month if they wanted to. It's, it's about what works best for that person to move them forward to where they want to be. And life happens. And when that does, there's a level of accessibility that my accountability buddies have. That other people don't towards me so they can access me at different times because when you're working at that level and something does happen and it is significant and you're just thinking who can I dump on who can I share this with that it is safe and they're not going to judge me and I can just be there as you said just mm-hmm. this and then be the person that they talk their own solution around. But the thing is, you don't get to, to that level. You don't get to be you. You don't get to be the owner of the business, the, the G-suite person, the C-suite person, without having brains, without being able to solve problems. You can do that. You know you can. But sometimes just being able to talk about it, to talk it through with someone else who's not going to be going, well, aren't you a dropkick? That was pretty stupid or I wouldn't have done that, but to just be able to talk it through in a sounding board space with someone who says, all right, so this is what happened. So what are you thinking of doing about it? What is the consequence? What does that mean? All right, you're undertaking to do this by then. I'm gonna hold you accountable to that. So next time we catch up, you're going to have done what? And if you haven't done it, I'm going to wanna know why. You're gonna have to give me a good reason. And that's one of the things that I, the other thing that I do do, and that's to call people on their bullshit. And that is, that's one of the things that happens so rarely when you are where the buck stops. To have someone in a non-judgmental way call you on your bullshit and say, no, just a second, you said two meetings ago that you were going to do this, you haven't done it yet, That's, do you really, do you really try to tell me that this is a good enough reason for why you haven't done it? And if it is a good reason, if it is reasonable, then fine. But if it isn't, well, guess what? I'm going to call you on it. And that's what you don't have once you become the person where the buck stops. That's one of the things that becomes invaluable. And I was very surprised to hear As I said, I was having an accountability call with an accountability buddy last year, early to mid last year, and I was just chatting away. As we do, what's been happening? What have you doing? I've been doing this. You said you were going to do this. And I hear from him the next time because he's one of the people I catch up with three times a week. And he said, oh, so-and-so who used to used to be the CEO of one of the largest construction companies running around, was at my house. He'd slept over and he heard you and wanted to know who was this person because they realized that that's the kind of value that they appreciate. That, that level of what is it? That accountability, what have you done? What are you doing? Do you really think that's the best use of your time? Wait a second, you're losing focus, why? These are the conversations that make the difference. And at that level, an incremental difference, like the conversation that can change you at that level has a trickle-down effect through your business that can make a huge difference. When you are feeling more confident, more focused, more on point, tell me, Christina... How productive are you when you were feeling more confident, more focused? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and
0: this is the thing when when you're, you know, as the leader in the business, if you've got a team behind you, if, if you're having a bad day, everyone's having a bad day. You know, it, it is, it, 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 you know, it just, it, it spreads, it, you know, it spreads through the team. And, you know, it's that even working remotely, even where it, it, what surprised me the most with, um, you know in terms of sort of the the head office guys we, we would most of our team is remote is works remotely anyway but the head office guys we've always been together in an office so the shift having them go remotely i was really surprised when that thing still remained true that actually if you know if i'm if i'm not motivated if i'm not getting through stuff then actually the the feedback loop is telling me that they're not motivated they're not getting through stuff either and maybe that's the lens I'm seeing the world through at that moment in time perhaps I, I, I don't know um but I'd like to think I do listen to like do actually listen you know actively listen to them and not just hear what I want to hear um but yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Even if you don't have contact, and like you're having a really productive day, and then you you know one of them reaches out to me, or I reach out to one of them, and it's like actually we're all having a productive day. It's bizarre. It really is bizarre. So I, I think there's a there's a lot of truth in what you're saying about that focus and how it how
1: it goes all the way through your business. It is amazing the trickle down effect that occurs, and and when you are pushing through. When you were in that state that you, you spoke about earlier, when it's like something has happened but it's all right because I'm here and this is where the bug stops and I'll push through, when you focus down into that space and you can get your head caught, your, your gaze caught in the weeds, that's when you can slow down and your whole business slows down because you become less productive because you, you, you think if I just get through this... And, and we've all done it, oh, please, we have all done it. We've all gone, I can do this. I can get through it on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I'll do it because I'm a rock star, so there, and it's me. But when we do do that, sometimes we become less productive and the people around us sense the stress and the stress will just permeate. They'll become more stressed. There will be gossip. What's happening? What's happening? Is there something wrong? That is all a natural, well, everybody gossips anyway in, in organisations, but to change the, the water cooler gossip, quote, unquote, from what did they watch over the weekend to why is the boss stressed, unproductive. Mm, yeah. Unproductive.
0: So I work with an accountability buddy. We have a call usually every Monday. And um, when I first started doing it, I kind of thought, I don't really know how this is supposed to work. I don't really know how this should be structured. So what obviously you provide this as as a service to your clients as well. But let's say there is someone listening to this and they're thinking, okay, actually, there's someone I can identify within my within my circle. Let's say maybe someone they've met through networking or um, someone they, they know that owns a similar business to them that they think they could approach to become an accountability partner. How would you suggest they structure those meetings to get the best out of them? Because it's not just coffee and a chat. Or have I got the wrong idea? Maybe maybe that is what it should be.
1: It is, for me, it's not just a coffee and a chat. It doesn't matter where it is. Coffee, Coffee may be involved. Chat is certainly involved. But it is, it's about the relationship that you choose to create with your accountability buddy. Everybody's different. And when you have that space, when you're looking to do that with someone have a conversation. Say, well, what are what are my expectations? What are your expectations? What do you look to do with that? What is what is your availability? What level of accountability do you want to have? It is, it's an agreement essentially. You are making a social contract essentially, and it is incredibly important to do that because then no one's expectations are diminished and they're not met. And if they're not being met, at least you can be clear about it saying, well, we did discuss this. This is is how we set it up to be. And if that changes, negotiate the change, okay? Some people want to do a half hour catch up. They want to talk about only their work. They want to talk about what they're looking to achieve. What I've tended to find is it may start out that way it may grow to something else. But when it does, that needs to be acknowledged. So if the parameters of the accountability changes, then it needs to be acknowledged. And if someone, if one of the two people is not comfortable with that change, then address it at that point. Because if it's an accountability catch-up with two people who are doing it just because they both want to get better and it's it's not a contracted paid for service, then you both need to be getting exactly what you want out of it or pretty close to. So I would suggest be very clear in what you're looking to get out of it for both of you and revisit that occasionally. If either of you, if one or either of you feel that it is not giving you what you had expected it to, revisit, have that conversation. Because at this level, time, is the most important asset that we have. If you are saying, I'm committing half an hour and that's what you do, fine. If you want to commit an hour or 45 minutes, fine. But if it is productive, great. If you're not finding that, revisit.
0: Yeah, I, I think, so again, go back to my experience. It, it, took, it took a few weeks to settle into a rhythm that... Um, worked do you know what she might be listening I don't care it's all right she knows what I'm like um but yeah I I think to start off with it was great and it was fab but it was like I just felt like I was losing half a day to it and it was really Mm -hmm. good and really productive but I didn't have half a day to lose each week so and then I kind of got in that sort of almost like awkwardness because I was like, you know, we need to keep this shorter and it just wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And I was like, right, the only way this is going to work for me is if we shift it to the other end of my day, basically. So we had that mm-hmm. conversation and, and we did that. But it was kind of, for me, there was just that little bit of, it's quite awkward asking for something that is just for your own benefit. And I think when you're, you know, and it kind of ties in with something you mentioned earlier in terms of like the vulnerability and that kind of thing. But if you're going to get into this type of relationship, it has to work for you. As much as you are giving to the other person, it has to 100% be about you as well. And I think that's quite, that
1: was quite a learning curve in itself. It is. Um, And I would suggest within those first couple of conversations that you perhaps hadn't as clearly defined your expectations and parameters as you would a normal meeting or a normal contract yeah and that's 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 the difference when when you're looking to do this whether it's between you know peers essentially peer accountability when it's in that state be really clear be really clear that I really appreciate the time that you're committing to to this process, I'm equally committing precious time to this process, let's get it right, let's make the most out of it that we can, what does that look like Mm -hmm. for you? And just keep working towards that agreed space, this is what it looks like, and it's like, all right, if it's going to be an hour, that's all I'm allocating in my diary. And and have that conversation up front so that people, as as the relationship or, or the time spent together progresses people don't suddenly feel that the goalposts are changing oh well you know but but we used to talk for half a day and suddenly only want to do this be clear up front and and establish those expectations in the same way that you would almost any other kind of contractor service do that and and that way when it changes or when it varies you can just gently refer to it and say look I would really love to continue having this conversation, but I've only booked an hour and I've got this coming up next.
0: I think it's, um I, like I said, I, I didn't know, I didn't really, it was my first experience of having an account, you mm-hmm. know, a, 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 say a formal accountability buddy. Um, and I think I just, I just didn't know what to expect or how the conversation would go or what, you know, what, what questions should be asked in the session you know what you know when it's like when I'm the person giving the accountability actually what I should be asking and and that that kind of thing I I sort of I see that role more as a listening role more as a you know and like you tell me something I go okay and maybe question something within what you've told me but yeah leading the conversation I was just at a bit of a loss so in terms of that bit of it what's you know, what's the, the best way to go if
1: there is a best way? Again, it's one of those, I'd love to tell you that there is just one answer. It's a moving feast because it really depends on what the expectations are of the two people in there. And that's why, for example, when people meet with me to, to be an accountability buddy or accountability coach, whatever you want to call it, to have those confidential conversations, I actually qualify them because I want to talk to them and find out who they are, what their expectation is, what they're looking for from the process and from me and to what extent I can hold them accountable. And that's one of the discussions that I look to have up front to decide if I can walk this journey with them. Because just because someone is in the same industry as you or wants to work with you doesn't mean that they're a fit. I'm sure you know that with any, any number of customers that you have encountered um, and clients in your life, just because they want to work with you doesn't mean that they're going to be a good fit. And that's why discussion and frank, open discussion up front is so important because then you can say, and, and it really depends on how you deliver it, I would suggest you deliver it somewhat cheekily along the lines of, well, you do know that I will hold you accountable about this. I will call you if you haven't uh, up on, if you haven't delivered this. And if it sounds like you're bullshitting me, I will call you on that too. Uh, and, and just establish, again, the parameters. Some people just want to come and talk for the most part. Others, others who are, I have, I have um, an accountability buddy who is diagnosed adult ADHD um, and has, he's can be very focused and sometimes has a scattered gun effect. And that's someone that I, for example, I'm used to kind of pulling in and saying, no, wait, you just, you said last week or you said a couple of days ago, you're going to do this. What have you done? What have you done instead? That's not good enough. Are you going to do this? Give me a good reason why you've done X instead. It really depends on the person and quality of conversation that you have. They can be like that. You said X, Y, and Z. You've, you've done A, B, and C. There's a disconnect. What is the story? Because sometimes, sometimes it's shiny penny syndrome and sometimes it has, it's, it's all hit the fan and it's splashing about the place and people have had to pivot and adapt. Pivot oh, <laughs> <it's> an <laughs> evil word these days after 2020, but people have had to adapt. There might be a good reason, but it depends on the parameters that you established before about how you're going to hold each other accountable, what it looks like what it looks like, because sometimes it can be challenging to go from coffee in a chat space to, hey, wait a second, you said this, you've said this for the last two meetings, it hasn't happened, what's the deal? And I would suggest to you that it's when you say those things and you have a good relationship that the squirmage can occur. (laughs) It's a technical term, the squirmage. I think we've all done it. But it's, it's, those, it's those questions, it's that ability to say, wait a second, you've said this for X period of time, you haven't done it, what's the deal? It's not good enough. That's the difference that makes the difference. It's that thing, it's, it's that ability, that level of trust and the mutual respect that allows you to say, no, wait, you need to sort this. Unless there's been a world-ending event, this needs to be sorted now because you're only doing it because it's not fun. It's not your fun thing to do. But you know It needs to be done. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I can see it from the smile <laughs> and the guilty, the guilty face. I'm not going to confess to share all the things that, that are squirmish that I haven't done. But it's those things that can make the difference. Yeah.
0: It really is excellent, Cheryl. That's fantastic. It's such a valuable conversation for people to listen to. Um, so thank you so much. We'll, we'll draw stuff to a close there. Um, where can right this? Like I should have left ten minutes at the end for you to tell us this bit. I was going to say where can people get hold of you, but it's like you're everywhere. You are. You're writing books. You're launching podcasts. So. So come on then, give, give it all to us. Where, where are we going to hunt you down?
1: All right. If you have an apple, you can find me on Clubhouse at Cheryl Hill, just as it sounds, C H E R Y L P W E L, all one word. You can find me. This is one of the harder ones, people, and, and if you can spell, you'll find me. You'll find the Conscious Change Collective online at theconsciouschangecollective.org. I've got a couple of books out. The one that that is potentially fascinating and deals a little more with the story that I told you about is called Mastering the Game of Life. And one of the reasons I love to promote these books is because I make zero profit out of them. The profit goes to charities and funding food forests in Ghana. So, and let me see, you can find me on LinkedIn at Cheryl Peel they're the easiest one excellent excellent
0: so like i said thank you so much for your time Cheryl. it's been really really useful and
1: um yeah look forward to catching up with you soon let's do that thank you so much and have a great day everybody stay spectacular